What's up, what's up? This is Nikkei Roach. Welcome again to another No Zone uh, where we get together with dynamic individuals, veterans, veteran family members, and those who really care and passionate about serving veterans both here and abroad. Of course, I served in the Gulf War in the first dust-off as a sergeant. I was the highest rank and I was a medic. And my co-host is none other than the amazing Jesse Almanza, gunnery sergeant retired, who happens to be with Another uh, Marine, former, we'll just say, 30-year, there's a storm veteran, Andy Hernandez, who just happened to be driving by or riding by, and uh, he just said, let's stop by and start and share his story. If he's going to speak a little, and we're going to be talking about them. But before I go on, I have to give you that quick disclaimer before I let Jesse and Andy go speak, is that we have to say this because our lawyers like to make sure neither myself nor any of our co-hosts are Go, or authorized VA uh, employees to speak on their behalf, VSOs or lawyer. You are welcome to share any insights or you're welcome to take any information that we've gathered Then you can go and do your due diligence yourself. We're just here as two individuals. Actually, in this case, we're three individuals who want to share different insights about being a veteran and how the things that we do affects our lives and the lives of our family. So, Jesse, go ahead and I'll let you, and then if you want to say something, Andy, we'll go ahead and keep him rocking. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get him in there to say something. Hey, uh, hello out there, wherever you're at, whatever stage you're tuning into it. Uh, welcome to the No Zone, uh, Golf Forever Veterans uh, Podcast. Uh, I am currently right now in Tampa June area, Tampa June, North Carolina. Uh, we are sitting in front of the Vietnam Veteran Memorial, which, by the way, is a beautiful memorial out here. I encourage anyone who is in the area to stop by and see it. There's a lot of history back here. And my favorite, there's a lot of stories out here to be told. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fellow veterans who have moved on, who made the ultimate sacrifice, did not make it back, uh, are here for you to look at, look at their names. Before I go any further and I talk, uh, or I let Andy say a couple words, I really, really, really want to uh, express my condolences to all those military individuals that lost their lives, were in arms way, no longer with us, 11 Marine, Marines, one Army, and one Navy. And it breaks my heart. I am so sad, and I just, I'm, good, I'm beside myself when I heard the story, when I heard what was going on. Obviously, it was inevitable, but we never know that it comes to this point until it gets down to the nitty-gritty. And I do want to send a message real quick to the leaders of the United States, the generals that are out there. Just do the right thing. That's all. We're, we're here. We will follow you. We will do whatever we need to do. I know we've been there. We've done that. But do the right thing. Take care of the troops just as we know it should happen. And with that, that with that, again, my condolences to all the families, all the friends, everybody affected by the terrible, terrible, terrible incident. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to let Andy say a couple things if he wants to. And, uh, Andy and I served in Desert Storm uh, uh, and uh, yeah, Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Just so you'll know, 31 years ago, actually, this month, August the 2nd to August the 4th, Kuwait invaded, or Saddam uh, invaded Kuwait 31 years ago this month. And guess what? We're still here. We're still here. Andy, you want to say a couple things? Yeah, like, uh, just for just saying, uh, we. We did serve together. Unfortunately, we worked together at that point. I was with uh, the 13th view at that point. So we were in country together in heart and spirit. And uh, it's it just a different thing that 
heroes for this great country. Andy, let me ask you a question. Since you're there, since you know, as a as a Marine and and a, and, and on hollow ground where you are now, I mean, because you are in hollow ground, you're in towns where our brothers and and our sisters have bled for our country and who are buried nearby, and and we have various you know memorials. Why did you join the Corps? Oh well, believe it or not, when I was going to school, I was always told my dad I was going to join the service period. I'm just teasing you. Go ahead. So you, so you're honored, brother, twice over. <laughs> very much for your service and thank you for taking on the mantle the generations before you served in, in, in uniform and all the things that you do there in your community to help veterans, service members, active duty as well as retirees both you know here who are part of our generation, the Desert Storm generation or the generation who are serving currently or the Afghanistan generation who came a little after us. So thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you. You're welcome. Alright Jesse, I'm going to ask some questions because the, the title of this of this talk today was really about in in about the 117th Congress, and that's really what's important. And it's not about political. It's not about right, left, center. You know, are you part of the D team or the or the R team? It's about why this 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 current congressional is significant to veterans and those who serve veterans in the veteran community. When I and the veteran community is a lot larger than you might think because it, it includes family members, but it also includes people who are linked together. They may not have veterans in their family, but someone who was a veteran affected their lives. So it could be a business leader. But Jesse, tell me why the 117th Congress is so significant for veterans in this current day. Well, first and foremost, let me give you a little history that the 117th Congress, the congressional membership, that joined the White House in providing what we call movement shakers, policymakers, lawmakers. That's what it's all about. There's, a, there's 553 members of, of, that, of that force there. 553. So the 117th only means that in 2021, we started the 117th. The, the presidential election prior to that was the 116th. Prior to that, it was 115. And if you get my drift, it goes back. Now we're at the 117. And this is what I see that is very important that we all understand. We'll have a little bit of knowledge as to what, what does it involve? What does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with me or Andy or you, DK, or anybody out there listening to the podcast? Well, here's the deal. Out of, 100, out of 500, 
91 of them are veterans of the United States. Okay, so that's a lot of all that really kind of go out and consider. 91. So when you're talking 91 individuals who know about us, and I mentioned policymakers, shakers and breakers or whatever, uh, these individuals have something to do with our pay, our benefits, our survivor benefits, our medical benefits, our home buying benefits, and the listing go on, the GI Bill, educational, the listing go on and on and on. But when you talk about only there being 91 representatives of the armed forces that have served, which, by the way, only 49 of them have combat action behind them. In other words, they've been in theater of operation. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that I, that I looked at that list of those um, veterans, um, and, and interesting enough, you know, all three of us are in North Carolina. It looked like there's only one in the state of North Carolina that I could see. I was looking down the list this morning again just to see if I made an error. I said, hold on. In this heavily, you know, militarized state, we have every branch of the armed services represented. Well, the Space Force might be a little different, but, you know, the, the, the five major ones. We only have one. Okay. <laughs> one. <laughs> Well, good point. Very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Because let me ask you a question. How many veterans are in the state of North Carolina that we have fought representatives that had? I would estimate probably through maybe 800,000. I don't know. I'm throwing that out. Why not? They're very close. 750,000. Okay, so there's 750,000 veterans in the state of North Carolina. Politics-wise, financial, U.S.-wise, and abroad, there's 20 million veterans. So do the math. If you've got 91 uh, individuals that have uh, that are veterans, and there's they know about the armed forces, they know about they've been there, they've done that. Mm -hmm. For 200 or for 20 million veterans, that's that doesn't add up. It doesn't. It does not add up. It doesn't. And you know, and I'm going to bring something across. It's going to be even more sad because the representation per state as to how many people actually have uh, what they call delegates, which are representatives in the House, how many states do not have delegates that represent or are part of the veteran community, which is, you know, I'll tell you in a few minutes, but... Can, can, I, can I, know, can I, why are you doing that? Before before you go there, I, I wanted to ask Andy a question, since, since that way it gives you a chance to look at your notes. What services, speaking of veterans, and I literally just met Andy, like, I don't know, 15, maybe not even 15 minutes ago, 12 minutes ago, something like, we veterans, we adapt and overcome, you know, we improvise, we keep it moving. What services have you used, Andy, in your veteran life, you know, for, for that you've been able to engage in, uh, you know, and, and if you want, if you don't want to disclose some things, you know, we're good with that, but the things that you want to disclose, what have you, what kind of services have you used as a veteran? I've used uh, my VA uh, loan to actually help buy a house, actually, actually bought two houses use that though, which is great. I uh, tell every veteran I've seen, they come up hunting in your house, hey, friend, use your VA loan. That's what it's there for. It helps you out. There's no money out of pocket. And you can keep your house almost at the greenhouse, really, depending on your rank. There, it tells you how much you can afford, and you can get it. Uh, I'm also encouraging that to my younger son who's in the Air Force. Say, hey, you know, you can get your house when you're done and retired. Use the VA, use your benefits. Medical-wise, if you're still in the service, document everything in your health records. Every single thing, because it will 
stuff. I would have gotten some of it now and gone to my lawyers and everything else to get more added on to me get, to get my percentage of that. And everybody else felt owed us for doing the hard work that we've done out there. Mm-hmm. For everybody. Uh, I, I like to say, you find out what your benefits are, or if you don't know, ask somebody. They can either tell you or point you into the right direction. So that way you can break all these benefits that were promised to us. So that's that's all I can say is, you know, do your research and talk to somebody if you don't know. There's no dumb questions at all. At all. At all. Well, thank you very much, Andy. All right, Jesse, Um, get get back in focus because you're you're kind of out of it. Go ahead. Okay, so so what what Andy is talking about, basically are the policymakers Shakers up there at the house are the ones that go in there and say, Yes, we need to continue this as military veterans. They know where they come from, they know where they're at, they've been there, they've done that. So they're there to help support the effort because when you're talking only 91 veterans sitting out there and a total of 535 members, the odds are against them. They're almost like six to one you know, when you look at that odds that way and stuff. So they have a lot to work with, they have a lot to talk about. But let me give you a real quick breakdown. Out of 91 of them, 17 of them are senators. They serve in the service Senate. And 74 of them serve in the House, which are they could be Congress people, they could be representatives, or so on and so on. But that makes up the 91. And, and we're not talking about political parties here, but the breakdown, the breakdown is this. 28 of them are, Dem- are Democrats, 63 of them are Republicans. And again, like like I said a while ago, 49 of them have gone, have been in theater of operation, have actually seen battle. Now, I I know of a lot of both sides parties that represent the veterans a lot. It doesn't matter whether they're Democrats or Republicans. I know a lot of good Democrats. I know a lot of I don't know them personally, but I read a lot into what they do and the uh, the uh, policies and the legislation that they're pulling through. And a lot of those individuals that have never been in service still support the military veterans, 100%, 110% in many cases. So there's, because they're not veterans, it doesn't mean that they're not supporting the actual veteran movement and stuff. They're, they're, they're there. And what we should be looking at is someone there in the House is going to give us the opportunity to speak in our behalf because those who have not, the other uh, the other. 300 plus, or the other 400 plus, that were almost 400 that have not been military, they're like kind of depending on somebody else to tell them what it's about. And unless they do the research, they'll never know, actually. So if you look at another statistics here, out of the 91, six of them are women. Uh, there's one list from last Congress from the 116, because there was uh, seven women then, now there's six. So, uh, 44 of them served in the Army, okay, 15 of them served in the Air Force or the Air Force Reserve, 15 served in the military, or, I'm sorry, the Marine Corps or the Marine Corps Reserve, 17 of them served in the Navy, and the Coast Guard doesn't have any representation and stuff. So, 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 just based on those numbers, it would almost be who, and I know, you know, these various representative elected officials, senators, and, and, and people in the, in the House of Representatives, um, it would behoove folks who are in the Coast Guard to really, you know, possibly even bump up their game and, and kind of encourage those who are um, Coast Guards or former Coast Guardsmen to to invite them to join Congress and get active. And 
And I think it's important because I think sometimes when we get into politics, it's sort of like, you know, that, that, that becomes a caustic conversation. But if we come to the, the true earnest of being a representative, a, an elected official, and a servant, then I think, you know, we have some headway. We have some things to, to do that we have commonality and that we can put politics aside and we can, you know, attack the problems that affect veterans. You know, things like education, health care, benefits, uh, and a number of things. And, and there are many of our brothers and sisters who have mental health problems. And I'm pretty sure, as a combat veteran myself, I only did one tour, but some of our brothers and sisters have done six tours. And that much, that much on you is gonna, it's gonna affect you. You can't get out of it. I don't care how hardcore who you are, it will affect you. And those brothers and sisters are going to be hurt mentally for a while. And being able to have those um, elected officials who understand that these people are going to need lifetime help, both physically and mentally, and in some cases spiritual help. Um, I think it, it, it would behoove every every service member, but because there are no guardsmen right now who are, you know, veterans. Um, I mean, no, you know, Congress or senator who are or guardsmen. It would behoove those people to push those folks to the forefront. So that if you don't have anybody speaking for you at the table, you're gonna get the scraps. It's what it is. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that because let me give you some statistics of those states that have no delegation or representation. But before I do that, I want you to know that. I do a lot of research on things, and this source of information, if you want to look it up, go to the Navy Times, December 2020, and everything that I'm talking about, word for word, pretty much, is on that Navy Times article. So this is not something that I'm pulling out of my whatever. I'm telling you, it's live information, it's information that we should know about, and they, they put this information out because of the new Congress coming in this thing, 2021. So they just gave us military personnel the ability to be able to see where we stand and where we're at. So to talk about representation in regards to in regards to the House, unfortunately, there's 12 states in the United States that have zero zero representation in the House. Now, and let me just run down through some of these some of these states because there's there's 12 of them, and I'm not going to do them all. I'll do Idaho, for example. In Idaho, there's 117,000 veterans that live in that state. Okay, Missouri. Missouri has 425,000 veterans that live in that state. And major mil army bases in Missouri. <laughs> well, they don't have any representation. Minnesota, 327,000 veterans that live in that state. So look at that report and kind of think about it. You know, if you're looking at West Virginia or Wyoming, West Virginia has 84,000. Now, the 12 states combined total of veterans that live within those 12 states number is 1,455,000 veterans. I'm sorry, 1,445,000 veterans that live within those 12 states that have no representation, no delegate within their states. Now, there might be some delegates lower than the House, I mean like in the, in the uh, uh, mayor situation, in the city council situation, if you are a member of any of those states, and we'll go ahead and put out what those things are on the website later on, so you can get an idea in case you don't get to the article. But if you're members of those states and you have veterans that represent you in the city council area, their mayors, or they're about to become uh, members of Congress or whatever, support them because here's the deal. 
Who's going to know that I need medical benefit? Who's going to know that I need survivor benefit? Who will is going to be able to sit there and represent me and say, look, you know, this guy, you know, he's got PTSD or he's got a mental problem or he's got one leg or one arm. So all of these things that, you know, that, that, that take time for Congress to figure out yep. whether or not we're going to pass them all. Look at our Vietnam friends. Very much so. Very, very much so. I, I, I wanted to point out something Andy said earlier, which was very significant. You know, you don't know, you know, unless you ask somebody. And it's sort of like you don't know the benefits you have. And, and a, a former service member, you know, because they've been around the watering hole or in the Navy to scuttlebutt, you know, uh, whatever, you know, we're hanging around the water buffalo. It's an Army thing. Um, if, you, if you don't talk to the, the veteran themselves understand things a little clearer than civilians. Not always, but a lot of times they do because it's just a force of being part of that organization or these various branches of services. But... Being able to understand disability, be able to understand the challenges that some people have with just filing and being able to find their DD-214 or finding their medical records or their personnel records. Or maybe they think that because they were a bad little boy or girl in service that they are totally divorced from, you know, veteran services. You know, there is something available for you. When I say battle report, maybe you got an Article 15 or maybe you went AWOL for a couple of days because you found somebody that, you know, you want to go and hang out with for too long and your branch service didn't agree with you, okay? <laughs> or maybe you mouth off to your NCO or your officer and they're like, hey, we're going to give you this because, you know, but we're not going to kick you out. We're going to keep you in. So a lot of people think that if they were, you know, they didn't have the stellar military career, um, then maybe, you know, they forget that they have benefits. So I think that's important. And the service member, as you alluded to, will know that when they go up to the hill. Yeah. You know, it's, it's important to know that the Standing Committee for the Veterans Affairs, they oversee a lot of things. And I'm going to kind of just jot out real quick. Uh, they recommend uh, uh, that is about new bills that are going out. There's always new bills that are going out. And a lot have to do with what's going to be the end. The end result is going to be whether or not we're going to get a pension or not, whether or not we're going to get a raise or not, whether or not something is going to happen. You know, you're talking about the uh, life insurance. Uh, you're talking about the GI Bill, the medical benefits. You're talking about the, uh, uh, the cemeteries even, you know. Are we going to be able to have a burial or are we going to continue being buried and be able to get assistance, those of us who have the ability to be able to keep full service, as opposed to those who have been veterans, and still get a service, but they don't know anything. We don't want them to lose their benefits, so we want somebody out of the house rooting for them and supporting them and telling the world, telling them that that needs to happen. I'm very saddened by the fact that the Department of Defense right now, this next fiscal year coming up, we have very little money to buy forms. Very little money has gone into that city bank, and I'm not sure if there's enough force in there to try to say, we need to be able to have a strong and ready force, and that has to happen. But when no money is coming in, obviously things will slow down, which is not good for us. It's not good for us at all. So that's part of the reason as to why you want to have representation up there. So those individuals out there can speak for us, because you and I, DK and Andy, we can't go up to the White House and talk to the President up there today. You know, we need our benefits. Uh, we need a survivor benefit. My wife, you know, she's going to be without money when I leave, you know. That has to get paid. But they may stop. They may stop that, you know. A lot of things go on. A lot of things happen to work if we have representation at least. But the bottom line for 
for me in closing with all of the stuff that I talked about. Number one, many times December of 2020, this information is in there. And, and read about it so you can educate yourself and at least have an idea to find out. And it's not about blaming anybody about anything that's going on. Or it's not about a, about political affiliation. Who you, who you, or Democrat, Republican, Independent, it's not about that. Here's what it's about. It's about acknowledging the service members that are veterans from within Congress that are doing a hell of a job out there, good, bad, or indifferent, and acknowledging that and thanking them for doing that for us. And not only them, those other Congress individuals that are there that are also supporting veterans' efforts, because they don't have to be a veteran to support a veteran effort. So the idea behind this, this podcast and this talk is to acknowledge that. I mean, enough blame, enough this, enough that. Now it's time to either send a letter, make a phone call, do something and say, thank you. You know, thank you for being there. Thank you for being in the service. You know, I I, I saw a whole bunch of uh, Republicans and Democrats talk about what's going on out there. And my heart breaks because they know what's going on. Everybody knows what the heck's going on. But we also want to thank them for being at the board. They want front lines, they were there already, and those that are in Congress are still in the front lines, and they're fighting even harder. They got all kinds of stuff coming at them they wouldn't know where to start. That's our represent. That's our voice. Those are the individuals that we want to help, we want to support, we want to thank them for doing that. And if any veteran that's in the house that sees this podcast, we thank you, Gulf War Era veterans. Thank you from the bottom of our heart for everything that you do for us. And, and, and I, I tell you, things are going to get better. Things are going to be different here. And if it weren't for the decision-making process and the policymakers, the lawmakers, we would be very shy and receive what we would be very minus in receiving the benefits that we do right now. And I'm telling you, most of us, a lot of us, depend on that, specifically the medical benefits that we get. Those are some things that we don't want somebody to say they don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. They can just go to the regular doctor because that's not going to cut for us. You know? We can go to the regular doctor, but then hopefully uh, we can't afford a lot of this stuff. And neither can anybody else. And I'm not saying other people could get I, I wanted to give a success story, and, and it sounds a little, you know, it's different because uh, oftentimes we talk about benefits. And we talk about, you know, things that, you know, you, you thought, you know, be they, you know, here in the United States, you know, you know, marching a post or, or, you know, whatever. Even if you didn't go to combat, you know, you were, you were, you got in a uniform, you got on that line, you swore allegiance to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. There are two, okay? But also, the people who work at the Department of Veterans Affairs, which affects a lot of us. And, and the, the action, what you said, is a lot of these service members who are also in the Senate or in Congress fought very hard. They had a lot of opposition to put, and it's interesting, you might, you might think that it should have been automatic, but it was not automatic, because veterans actually pushed this, veteran congressmen pushed this, and it was to give priority employment, you would think that it would be automatic, to the Department of Defense, I mean, Department of Veterans Affairs. So you might be thinking, well, why is that? Well, yeah, you get priority, but they're doing, you know, and I, you can find this on the VA site, and you can find this in any place somewhere, the VA has, pu- has pushed over the couple of years to make sure that veterans get the position because they understand. It's sort of like when you say, oh, yeah, he or she was a veteran, yada, yada, but you sort of got to understand what a DD-214, what is an LES, you know, what's an MOS. 
You know, where did they serve? You, you sort of understand lingo, and it helps because veterans, and and as I've you know worked and not worked, but you know gone to the to the VA center, I've noticed one. I can all, almost always spot a veteran because the lingo on how they understand the methodology makes them more efficient to serve other veterans because they understand it. And it is not that learning curve that you got to figure out. Okay, what is this? What is it? What is a two hundred one file? What is a medical record? What is an LES? What is an MOS? All these things that all branches use is now Navy and the Marine Corps and the Army and the Air Force. They all have their own little you know language that they speak in the Coast Guard. But generally, we know what a two fourteen is, you know. And that's what I find is unique. And that was not automatic. Like Jesse said, it was pushed by former service members to help the VA, which serves veterans, should have been mostly veterans. It's working its way towards that as other people retire, veterans are taking those taking those mantles. So that did not happen by chance. That happened by some very dedicated veterans to be able to make that a reality. That's right. And the other thing that once we put the information on that I want you to take note of that, if you look at the 91 representative of, of veterans that are in Congress right now, the 117th Congress, four of them are of the Vietnam era. But if you look at the previous Congress, the 17, I'm sorry, the 16, 15, 14, there were a lot of Vietnam era representation there. But now, the Gulf War era, veteran representation are monopolizing and taking over because obviously, Vietnam was a long time ago. And those representatives that are in Congress right now, those four, only four of them, those four that are there right now will still transition out. And what does that mean? That means that a whole new era of Congress is taking place in the House. And now you've got the Gulf War era veterans that are jumping in there, all those veterans that represent a different type of era, obviously a different type of war, and it, it continues to go on and on and on and on. So it's, it's good information for you to have. Again, not about political affiliation in any way, shape, or form, but it's more like representation or knowing or understanding where you're at, who are you going to call, or, or what are you going to do? How are you going to help these individuals that are out there at the front lines in Congress and fight for our benefits, fight the legislation? Some of these laws take four or five, six years to pass. And, and I mentioned earlier, Vietnam took 50 years by the time they declared the Asian Orange a thing. You know, now we're with the bird pits and, and, and since it's in Desert Storm and Desert Shield, and now they're barely. That's 31 years ago. Are we going to wait 50 years like the Vietnam era folks did? I don't want that to happen. I surely don't want that to happen. So with that, you can help this information that we've got thought or is, uh, worthwhile, and uh, uh, I think... Uh, it's warm out here. I know. <laughs> it's sweating. You're you're in Camp Lejeune. Um, I would never want to be in Camp Lejeune when there was no air conditioning because it's hot as all get up over there and it's humid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to go to the sun anymore. You're 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 good to go. Well, I want to thank you, Jesse, and thank you for popping in, Andy, for for stopping by. I know you guys known each other for many many years, and since you were in you know his home territory, which is Andy's. Jesse, you got a chance to, 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 to see one of your fellow battle buddies and be able to just kind of share your insights. And uh, I wanted to thank all you veterans out there who, who will see this or hear this, some of you online and some of you will hear it in the podcast format. 
I want to thank you for all those things. And like Jesse said, I want to thank all of the service members and all the families who support veterans in either the, the local, um, in your local community, be it the, the mayor or the, or the city council, or you're a state senator or a state you know, representative, or your federal level, wherever you are and you support veterans, thank you very much. It is not a mission that is not seen. We love you. We're honored by your respect and your dignity and what you've done for our country. And I'm going to leave you who are here with a quote from another era veteran, a, uh, a Navy veteran who ended up becoming a president. And it's very important because Jesse said, thank them, get involved, help them, encourage them, do whatever you can to keep them in office. Ask not what you can do for your country or what your country can do for you. Something like that. That's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Thank you very much. So remember that. You, even though you're a veteran, you can still do a lot for your country to support your fellow Gulf War veterans, veterans before you, and veterans like in Jesse and, and rather Andy's case, he has a veteran after him in the Air Force. So thank you very much for being here. Who will be a veteran? Sorry, she's still active duty, as I recall. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for being here, and we'll see you next time. Hoorah, number five. All the time.